Hello and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where dogs poop north. I'm Ryan. I'm Emily. What accent was that? <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> genuine confusion out of you that worked <laughs> he just sounded like old man mcgucket from, from gravity falls <laughs> that's the accent i was going for well i mean old man mcgucket was an organ native isn't everyone in that show kind of an organ native uh mabel and dipper are from uh california and oh. stan and uh stan stan stanley and stanford i think are their names uh, they're from Jersey. Oh, okay. And Bill is from an alternate dimension, so. Mm. I gotcha. But okay. like, but like well. Seuss and Wendy and stuff, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. organ natives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Old Man McGucket, right? No, he actually That's might. That's what have, I was going for. I take that back. Old Man McGucket's backstory put him as being like a Bill, Bill Gates kind of figure, and then his memory got erased. Uh, Gravity Falls is an amazing show, but why do dogs poop north? What are we talking about? <laughs> Today, we're talking about weird animal behaviors and the explanations behind them. And some of these behaviors you guys will probably know about, like cats purring. That's pretty well known. But a lot of people don't know that dogs poop north. Hold so on. Let me check my that. sources on that cat thing. Lucy. Spruce goose. Bruce. I mean, loose noose. I Okay, we can't interview the cat. No, Kitty um, doesn't want to talk right now. Oh, I just want to get ahead of this because this will come out before Halloween. Yes, we, we have, have a live show. show. Yay! Woo! On Halloween at Funhouse Lounge starts at nine thirty. Yes, I would get there at about nine. Yes, um, we will be opening for What's More Metal with Noriko Ott and, and Dan, Dan Weber. Weber. Um, so funny! It's gonna be so good. Noriko used to go to the same open mic as I did on Mondays and then I'd usually be towards the bottom of the list or I'd be on the very first of the list but that's not the point but yeah. Noriko would go up before me yeah and then I'd be like well I should just leave <laughs> <laughs> um and that's happened with Dan a couple times so funny dudes they're letting us open for them on the holiest of holy days yes um so yeah funhouse lounge uh it's a vaguely clown themed bar it's not vaguely. They have an entire room full of Goodwill paintings that they've added clowns to. Um, I actually did set decoration for a short film that shot primarily in the Funhouse Lounge. Really? And I wanted to kill myself. Uh, I was going to say, are you going to be okay? Yeah. Uh, amazingly, uh, the movie It has... Desensitized you a it, little bit? A little bit. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, fun costume plant. Ooh, yes. Fun costume plan. So come to the show just for Emily's costume, um, if anything. Yeah, and if you come and you come say hi um, and use code word buttholes. <laughs> buttholes, yeah. Buttholes. But you can't just walk up and say buttholes. You have to try to sneak it into a conversation. If you can sneakily sneak buttholes into a conversation. And you have to use the inflection. Buttholes. Buttholes. Um, anyway, I'll have a stack of... Uh, postcards, postcards with me and i'll give you one <laughs> if you're lucky we'll even sign it that would just ruin the postcard it would <laughs> um, if you're lucky we will give you the option for us to sign if it. if you're we lucky won't we just won't sign, sign it, it. <laughs> um so yeah uh that's uh halloween night october 31st i'm gonna be jet lagged as shit it's gonna be so good um yeah uh come talk to us about buttholes all right um, now so. on to dogs' buttholes and what they do with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. So in case you haven't noticed, which you probably haven't because you'd have to pretty much be a psychopath to have noticed this, but um, yeah, your dog more often than not will align their body along the north-south axis. I wrote access <laughs> when they poop. <laughs> north-south access. I mean, okay, if a dog is pointing north and south and technically your mouth and your butthole are the same tube, you are a north-south axis. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a, it's not like a straight shot. It's got a few sphincters in it, like but I mean... It's a Mulholland Drive situation. It is, and it's, it's got some gates, very but... Very perilous, and like a good movie has been made about it. But there is an access. <laughs> it's there. Yes. If you really wanted to. All right. And we're really so, small. So dogs, dogs don't always poop north. But more often than not, they are naturally inclined to face either north or south while doing their business. I just don't understand how a dog knows which way north was because last night Travis called me. He's like, go outside and look at the moon. It's to the side of the world that the moon is on. (laughs) And I'm standing out in the back, like the lawn behind my apartment building. Like, I don't fucking know what direction that is. Give me a street. (laughs) Um, I will tell you um, here in just a moment. But first, I'm going to read a direct quote from PBS's coverage of this scientific study. Um, That's how you know it's legit. Yeah. So this is straight from PBS, okay? So the study suggests that dogs are sensitive to small variation in Earth's magnetic field. After examining 70 dogs made up of 37 different breeds. Okay. So, good study good, set. Good portion. Over the course of two years, in which they witnessed 1,893 defecations and 5,582 urinations, researchers found that under calm magnetic field conditions, dogs prefer to excrete with their body being aligned along the north-south axis, avoiding east and west altogether. Maybe dogs. their poo is magnetic. <laughs> what are dog food companies not telling us? Heavy metals. <laughs> Not the case, but I will give you an answer here in a second. Um, So these dogs were observed in a free-roaming environment, meaning that they were not leashed and they were not influenced by walls or roads or anything else that might enforce like a certain linear movement. They just put them in a void. Yeah, basically, and said, poop some way, and they almost always poop north and south. However, scientists aren't totally sure why. They kind of get how, but not why. Um, it is obvious that in some way dogs seem to be sensitive to Earth's magnetic fields, which is not rare by any means. Like a lot of animals well, I mean, are... like birds can migrate and they don't get lost. Yeah. So and, like the movie Homeward Bound. Yeah. I put in here a like list of a couple animals that do it. Um, cows, deer, bats, fish, birds, naked mole rats um dogs mice rats like a lot of animals have a magnetic field sensor i guess you could say but only dogs poop north so far that was my favorite don bluth animated feature all dogs poop north all dogs poop north (laughs) all dogs go to heaven all dogs poop north (laughs) and cats don't dance (laughs) it's kind of like how uh you know if you're praying um and you're of uh islamic faith don't you have to face um uh you have to face my Mecca, yeah. Question mark. Mecca, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of the name of the big black building in Mecca, Mecca but I, the Cabal, the Caban, the Carab, the Carafe <laughs> of coffee, because that's what I need right now. Because I'm this up is a at four thirty in the morning praying. Yeah. <laughs> 
only facing Mecca. So maybe this is like dogs always face north because that's like maybe their Mecca and that's why all dogs go to heaven. I don't know. Maybe they're all good prayers. And here is our source. Hi. Travis, Hello. what do you think about dogs only pooping north? No comment? <laughs> they do. Dogs poop north. No, seriously. Okay, okay. I have to repeat this for you because this is amazing. Um, so they examined 70 dogs made up of 37 breeds over two years in which they witnessed 1,893 poops. And they found that they aligned their bodies along the north-south axis in order to poop. Weird. Yeah, dogs poop north. So we don't know why, but we know how. Rats and whatnots. Other, yeah, other animals do it too. Um Okay, so obviously they are sensitive to Earth's magnetic fields. They'd have to be in order to be that naturally driven to poop north. Uh, okay, so they research. They have the drive. <laughs> they, they've got, you know, there's something in them that just has got to poop north, you know? Yeah, like, heavy uh. metals. <laughs> That's such a good theory. I didn't even think of that. I'm, I'm with you on this. It's a government conspiracy that all dog food companies are actually located in a base on Area 51. Exactly. So, well, it would have to be north, though. Well, not necessarily. No, no. See, they manufacture specially made dog food that contains large amounts of heavy metal and then ship it out to different dog food companies that then distribute it under the ah. guise of several different companies. So no one catches on that we're actually putting heavy metals into our dog food. Why wasn't I like this when we recorded Area 51? I don't know, but you are going full Pepe Silvia right now. <laughs> I got boxes of dog food. <laughs> I got All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, okay, so researchers are not sure, however, whether or not dogs are aware of this or not. Like, do, <laughs> like are they knowing? Like a dog was taking north? a shit and just turned to his friend and like, hey, Charlie, why am I shitting north? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Scoob. Scoob? Scoob and Charlie, I like that. Uh, okay, so they don't know if, like, the dogs, like, look around like, oh, which way is the, like, you know, they, I mean, they don't. I don't think they think the word north, but you know, like, oh, which way is that way that's real comfortable? To shit. To shit. <laughs> or if it's just like a natural instinct, they don't even like realize they're doing. You I mean, know, I would have to assume that. That's what I would assume too, but we're not a hundred percent sure because, like, birds, for instance, can see Earth's magnetic fields. We don't know if dogs have some actual what? awareness of the magnetic fields. Go back to the bird thing. Well, we will come full okay. circle, and I will give you a lot on the bird thing, but. First dogs because dogs are cute and they poop a lot. So we're gonna we're gonna start. <laughs> that's here. why we talk about them. <laughs> so we're gonna start here. Okay, um, I'm gonna point something out here so you don't go out and try holding a compass over your pooping dog and then come back <laughs> complaining to us that we're liars. Let me say this: dogs show this behavior more often when the magnetic fields are calm, which is only about twenty percent of daylight hours. So you only have like a. Sorry, let me try and do some math. What's 20% of... So, like, three hours during the day? It's it's rough. It's, like, a rough estimate, 20% of the day, because, like, whenever there's a solar flare or there's solar activities, it, the gravity in that the sun has on the Earth is stronger, and so it pulls on the Earth, which affects our magnetic fields, and they, like, bow differently, and it... It has an impact, and so our magnetic fields get altered whenever the sun is having solar activity. So it depends on the sun, okay? Which is very volatile, and uh, it's you can't the predict sun. it. It's the sun. Um, however, a researcher with the study explained oh. why this is. Okay, so a, a researcher with the study explained why this is. So imagine you're out for a hike, and you look at your. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is already hilarious. Imagine you're out for uh, a little walk. Okay. And uh, you're not in the city. 
and you get lost and you have a compass on you. This is all very plausible. <laughs> and you have a compass on you, getting less plausible. And you know how to read it, also getting less plausible. My phone has a compass. Exactly. And you were going to try to use that to navigate. And if you held up your compass and the little arrow on it just bounced back and forth. The needle. The, the needle on it just bounced back and forth like wild. Would you trust that compass? Well, no, but I also don't trust myself to know how to work a compass. <laughs> but I mean, generally a compass, the whole concept is that if the compass is holding hey, yeah, still, yeah. the needle should hold still. But yeah. if the needle just keeps moving, you're going to be like, this, this compass is broken. This is this is bullshit. And yeah. then you just do you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get lost. Dogs yes. do the same thing. Dogs are like, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know which way is which. I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to poop where I want to poop. You know what I mean? So when they're really wild, they just like ignore them. But when okay. the magnetic fields are calm and stable and regular, they will naturally align themselves to it to poop. Okay. So it makes sense, but that's speculative. I mean, we obviously don't know. I mean, we're not exactly spending government money to test this. Yeah, exactly. Or are we? Maybe that's what Area 51 <laughs> is. They're testing the dogs pooping north of... I don't know if everyone has figured this out by now, but in about two episodes... <laughs> We're going to release an episode on Area 51 that we actually recorded right before this episode, like 10 minutes ago, but doesn't come out until after this episode It's like comes a month. Out. It's yeah. a month. It's like a whole month. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're going real out of order here right now. Well, um, there's solar flares and whatnot, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to blame magnetic fields. So while researchers don't yet know exactly why dogs do this, the speculation is that it allows dogs to recalibrate their internal compass, so to speak, and to get themselves oriented when they're out on a walk. So if they, like, poop north and they're like, all right, that's north, home's that way, suddenly they, like, understand the layout, I guess. It's like my dad on a road trip. (laughs) Exactly. He's got to poop north, remember where (laughs) home is, and then he can do it. Then he's got it. So dogs, like I said, are not the only animals that have sensitivity to Earth's magnetic fields. Bird migratory patterns are impacted by magnetic field activity. Also, cows and deer tend to graze in a north-south direction. No shit. Yeah. Literally no shit in this one. No, Yeah, no shit. I mean, I'm assuming if you're grazing north, you're also pooping south. You know what I mean? (laughs) You're just basically picking up plants here and you're dropping them in a straight line about, you know, however many yards ahead. Um, so bats use magnetic sensitivity to navigate in addition to echolocation. So basically bats are just living a real different life than mm. we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got echolocation and magnets. That's how they see that <laughs> their eyes are not the same. It's not the same. Um, fish use magnetic field sensitivity to navigate during their migrations and even naked mole rats build the houses in their tunnel systems, their little huts or whatever you want to call them in the Southern end of the tunnel system. Huh. Interesting. So, even naked mole rats are magnetic. so It's not even a natural light thing, because it's not an east to west. Yeah. Yeah, it, it literally nothing. It's They have to have some sort of magne- magnetic sensor. Mm. Uh, okay, so funny little tidbit. The scientist who first began studying this north-south graving behavior in cattle, Heineck Berta of the University of Duisburg-Essen in Germany originally studied naked mole rats, so she actually is the one who kind of noticed oh, that was this. a lady's name. It, okay. Yeah, Heineck Bertha is a lady. No, it's not. It's a man. I don't know why I pictured it as a chick this whole time. It is a dude. Well, that now I have a really very sad. definite mental image, and it's an older woman. <laughs> the gender doesn't matter. No, Quit doesn't. gendering Heineck. <laughs> so he knew about the naked mole rats building their little homes in the south, and... 
so knew that they were magnetically sensitive to little creatures, and he wanted to see if humans unconsciously did the same thing. And so his plan was to go on Google Earth and find campsites and look at tents and see if human beings were naturally inclined to build, set up their tents facing a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Um, really hard to see tents on Google Earth because most campsites are covered in trees and you can't see the tents. So he scrapped that idea, but then he's like, you know what? You can see a shitload of burning man. <laughs> That would be, well, everyone kind of faces the burning guy, you know, like they have something that would make them not put it the way they're naturally inclined to. So you'd pretty much have to camp in the middle of the desert. Coachella. D- not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Either way, he was like, I can't see any tents, but you know what I see a shitload of? Cattle. And then he noticed while he was looking at the cattle, they all faced the same direction. And he was like, what the fuck is up with this? This is how he stumbled across it. He was actually looking for tents. Way to go, my dude. Yeah. Um... So, lo and behold, boom, discovery. And then he went on to discover the exact same thing about deer. So, this little part right here isn't about animals per se, but stick with me. Because this got me thinking, do humans do this in any way, shape, or form? Do we have any sort of magnetic alignment? Do we do? (laughs) Do we do do? (laughs) Do we do? That's my favorite Motown song, actually. Do we do do? (laughs) (laughs) God. So I decided to Google um, if we seem to have this kind of sixth sense as well. Um, and I'll, from there, we're kind of wondering if there is an evolutionary advantage to having internal magnets or if maybe we used to have them and then evolved to get rid of them because maybe there's an advantage to not being sensitive to the Earth's the magnetic The sixth fields. sense would have been a very different movie if this is what it was about. Right? I if- see dog shit. I see dogs pooping north. <laughs> like, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Dogs poop north everywhere. That would be a really weird movie. And uh, Bruce Willis is actually dog shit the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So, turns out, okay, we're going to, so I just tangented off to talk about humans, and I'm going to tangent off again back to birds, but I swear it comes full circle. Of life. Full circle of life here. Okay. Birds use magnetic fields to navigate. They actually have compasses in their eyeballs. Sounds weird. But their eyes have a lot of this substance called cryptochrome. What? Isn't that the coolest sounding name for it? Or like C-R-Y and then like a number. It's like a protein or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cryptochrome is like what you call it, Um, which is very likely what is allowing them to actually see magnetic fields overlaying the earth, which helps them navigate when there are no landmarks to follow, which is why even in a storm, they can still more or less point north. Mm. Because they can see, like, oh, I'm, you know, six magnetic lines too far to the, I don't know, you know? Weird. It's like lanes on a road. Okay, like a big bird highway. Exactly. Not like a highway for big bird. (laughs) But but a big highway. That's just Sesame Street. For birds. The big goes with highway. But I guess big birds can use it, Big birds can also use it. It's just, big bird is. There's no size limit on the big bird express. Okay. That's why you should always ask big bird how to get to Sesame Street. (laughs) All right, all right. Guess what? I don't guess, actually, because I know you're going to guess something really stupid chicken right now. Butt. I can already see it on your face. Not chicken butt. Guess what? Chicken butt. Two girls in a cup? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we have cryptochromes in our eyes, too. No shit. Yeah. But ours are a little bit different in that they are mostly used to help us control our internal clock and stay aware of time. So it's kind of our sense of time and our internal system, which is why we sleep at night, awake during the day. It's like how we know. It's how blue light keeps you awake at night. Like, 
interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's more related to time than location. However, a researcher named Lauren Foley at the University of Massachusetts found that one of the cryptochromes that we have is capable of detecting magnetic fields. This type of cryptochrome, CRY2, is sensitive to blue light as well. So Lauren Foley, this chick, tested flies that naturally use CRY2 to navigate because they also see magnetic fields, mm -hmm. these very specific types of flies. And she bred them to have a genetic defect, so they never produced CRY2, and they lost their ability to navigate. Pretty much to be expected. But what she did was she took human CRY2, like the CRY2 that's actually in our eyes, yeah. injected into the flies, and then shined a bright blue light on them, like bathed them in blue light, which like activated the CRY2, uh -huh. and they were suddenly able to navigate again. All right, so our CRY2 is capable of picking up magnetic fields, so why don't humans see magnetic fields? We only use 10% of our brain? Mm, no, but it is brain-related. The 10% of the brain thing is bullshit. I that's know. not true. Okay. Making sure you know that. I, I used the whole thing. That's Thank 90s you. bullshit. <laughs> use the whole thing, just not at the same time. All right. So the theory is that we have the molecule that can sense magnetic fields, but we just don't have an apparatus that allows us to translate the messages coming in from those molecules. So we have the computer tower. We just don't have the monitor. Yeah. It'd be like having eyeballs, but like clipping the wires behind them. You know ah, what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, you have eyes, but there's nothing to interpret between the eyes and the brain. And if your brain isn't actually interpreting the signals, the signals might as well not be there. Seems like a design flaw. A little bit. So if somehow we could program the brain to read those signals, we could technically see magnetic fields. So it's just a matter of a software update. Pretty much. Mm. Which is possible, though. They've actually found that they can make human beings capable of seeing again by putting a uh, like buzzing microchip on their tongue. You can taste sight. Actually, I think that was part of the plot of the film Blind Dating with Chris Pine. I don't know. Why do you know so many movies? I went through a Chris Pine phase. I watched a lot of movies I didn't want to watch. <laughs> Just for the pine. Yep. Did it for the pine. But, uh, all right. So these microchips, <laughs> they can, <laughs> so they'll put like a, this like weird sticky electrical pad on your tongue and it'll buzz in different spots on the electrical pad and at different like frequencies of buzzing and stuff depending on what you're looking at. So it'll interpret the image like in black and white, you know, and put make blacks a strong buzz, grays a medium buzz, and whites a no buzz or whatever. It'll buzz along your tongue, and eventually your brain will learn to interpret those signals. Like you can train your brain to actually understand those signals. And when you move your head around, like, you will know what's in front of you, and you will see it in your mind's eye the same way that you would seeing through vision. Like, you will see in, like, you know, basically black and white. Shit. But but yeah, you can do that with, so sight doesn't actually require eyeballs. It just requires some sort of electrical input. So if that's the case, why can't we do that with the already existent CRY2 that's in our eyeballs? Probably not high priority. Probably not, but it's technically possible. So watch out. <laughs> We're going to be fucking cyborgs in the future and it's going to be great. Um, so the current consensus is that humans currently cannot detect magnetic fields. However, you're a, how, how every, how every, how every. Uh, a study came out of Germany that hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention or doesn't have a very high reputation, but it's technically a scientific study that exists <laughs> um, that claims our vision does work a tiny bit better when we're facing certain directions. So there may be more to this story that technically you have better vision if you're facing like north or something. Hmm. Again, no one's proved it right. 
Uh, all right, next question. That's magnetic fields and poop. And poops and, and poops. birds and... That was a lot. That was a lot of information. That was a lot. Let's talk about cats. Uh, our Loose news? <laughs> our interview Spruce subject goose? is currently watching uh, football. Or not football. Oh, British football. Oh, okay. Hey, Ryan, you want to hand me those good, good candies sitting on the <laughs> table? Yeah. Sweet Amanda. <laughs> I just wanted to use the fancy candy machine at the movie theater. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I All paid right. $5 for this cup of candy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This question came from Amy on Facebook. Thanks, Amy from Facebook. And she asked, why and how do cats purr? Good question. You have candy in your mouth. That's you trying to put it on one side of your mouth so you can talk. No, vibrating. What's vibrating? Purring. Oh, purring. Oh, this is... Sorry, I don't speak Emily sign language. Well, I don't speak any, but I especially don't speak Emily. Yeah, it's E-L-L-L-S. Emily sign language. ESL. He said E-N-N-N-S-L-S. ESL actually stands for English as a second language, so I guess that's also correct. English definitely is your second language. All right, so first I'm going to talk about the science of how, and then we'll get into the why. So how vibrations you're right on point so the impulse to purr starts unsurprisingly in the cat's brain um, and it's a repetitive neural oscillator that sends a signal to the larynx and a repetitive neural oscillator is a fancy word for brainwave so it's automatic the cat like isn't really aware that it's sending those brainwaves because it's just you know like the womp 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 that your brain is doing Mm -hmm. you know we've all heard like the you know binaural beats or whatever listen to those that's like what your brain sounds like kind of uh cats do the same thing but it initiates purring so when they get a certain type of brain wave they start to purr automatically we can get some wild sound but again she is watching a soccer game yeah she she won't purr for us right now um so while the purring is in reaction to these brain waves and cats purr automatically, they also have conscious control over it. So it's like breathing, how you do it automatically until you don't want to do it automatically and then you have control over it. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's like that. Uh, so once the message reaches the larynx and more specifically the vocal folds. Don't fold with me. They, they twitch or vibrate between 125 and 250 times a second, producing a vibration and that you know how it's always, it's not like a continuous like you know it's it you know it's it goes like with their breathing yeah it's because they purr both on the way in and on the way out but in that brief moment where they're switching from in to out and they're not actually breathing for a second is why there's a break in purring uh-huh. yeah so it's them, them going stop 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 yeah so that's what that is Okay, so slightly more complicated question is why they purr. So we get how it works, but... So it's common knowledge that cats seem to purr when they are happy and content, but they will also purr when they are frightened or nervous, like at the vet. So think of purring as like a human smiling. You will smile when you're happy, but you will also smile when you're nervous or scared sometimes. Same thing in cats. She actually started panting when we brought her over to the new house. Like, she got so, like, overwhelmed and excited that she was just, like... Ooh. hiding under the bed like panting oh yeah i think that's a nervous reaction too yeah. i think they get hot you know and it's like <sighs> yeah like she she uh overexcited herself yeah a little panic attacky there um 
okay. So it basically a cat purring is like a sign of appeasement. So like you smile when you're nervous to try to like be like, no, everything's fine. Like you're trying to like mm-hmm. take the situation down a notch. Mm-hmm. Cats do the same thing. It's a form of appeasement. Interesting notes about purring. <laughs> Not all cats purr. Lions don't purr. They don't have stiff enough vocal for fords. <laughs> Vocal folds. No, just whole cars shoved in their throat. <laughs> they're big enough. Vocal folds. Um, in order, their their vocal folds are not stiff enough to purr. That's what I'm trying to say. However, their looser vocal folds allows them to roar, which is something that domesticated cats cannot do. So you can either roar or purr. You can't do both. Well, that's just thinking inside the box, right? <laughs> At least if you're a cat, I think we could probably get away with it because you know. It can be cyborgs. Um, so domesticated kitties need to have that communication more up close. You know, they're more often communicating with things that they're bonded with and spending time with or in small spaces, whereas lions need to communicate across longer distances. Um, it's so like a theater actor difference. versus a film actor. Yeah, and how they one has to know how to project their voice and the other one doesn't. The other one certainly does not, no. and it's horrible when they do. Yeah, the other one needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, so according to the researchers at the University of Sussex, domestic cats can hide, this is so creepy to me, can hide a plaintive cry within their purr that irritates their humans while appealing to their nurturing instincts. So basically what this is saying is that, um, okay, I'm going to read one more paragraph and I'll explain so the team examined the sound spectrum of 10 cats' purrs and found an unusual peak in the 220 to 520 hertz range, uh-huh. which is the same, um, or it was like embedded within lower frequencies of their usual purr, um, and it is about the range at which babies cry. So you're naturally, when you hear like a anything within that kind of frequency range, you kind of like automatically react to it because we're hardwired to react to it because that's the sound babies make when they cry. So they literally hide a baby cry in their purr to trick you into being nice to them and to paying attention to them. That's my girl. (sighs) Karen McComb, who headed the study, said that cats may be exploiting innate tendencies in humans to respond to cry-like sounds in the context of nurturing offspring. So they do this in order to get people to feed them sooner. <laughs> cats. <laughs> They're such assholes. They really are. Oh, it gets worse, too. That's not even, like, the worst part. Um, but real quick, cats also purr to heal themselves, which I thought was really crazy. You know Lucy's just hiding in the corner like, shit, she's telling them all my secrets. Uh-huh. Yeah, she is. Look at She's, she's nervous sweating right now. I bet you she's purring. Um... So frequencies between 24 and 140 vibrations per minute are therapeutic for bone growth, pain relief, and wound healing. Um, they More recorded... cats in hospitals. Huh? More cats in hospitals. Exactly. That's actually what they're saying. Um, they recorded a variety of cat purrs, including those of domestic cats, ocelots, cheetahs, pumas, all sorts of cats, and discovered that the animals' purrs all fit into this range for bone regeneration. In addition to repairing bones, there's also evidence that the series of vibrations caused by purring can repair muscles and tendons, ease breathing, and reduce pain and swelling. However, it's not just... That's for them. Uh, Fuck you guys. But there is evidence that it is healthy for cat owners as well. Studies have shown that cats do a better job of relieving stress and lowering blood pressure than other pets. 
In fact, a 10-year study at the University of Minnesota Stroke Center found that cat owners were 40% less likely to have heart attacks than non-cat owners, and purring probably plays a role in that. Well, that that that's good. That's a big difference, though. 40% less likely to have a heart attack because you own a cat? That's kind of insane to me. Um, side note, cats make a lot of different noises, but most of them are actually, like, sub-vocal. They only really meow out loud around humans. It's that's, for our benefit. It, yeah, it's specifically a human. We're basically big, dumb, deaf kittens to them. That's kind of how they see us. They're like, I need to take... Meow! <laughs> sit down! <laughs> you know, they're bossy parents. But also, um, kittens are... When they're kittens is, like, the only time they meow out loud, like, naturally. Yeah. Um, to get the attention of their mother. However, as kittens get older and older and the mom, like, weans away the attention, they quit meowing because it no longer works. Mm-hmm. However, when they meow at humans, since they meow at a frequency that is similar to a baby cry. It always works. It always works. You always pay attention to them. Therefore, you are teaching your cat that meowing is a perfectly polite and reasonable way to get attention. Or meowing is a perfectly reasonable way to get attention. And it works because we have to. We're hardwired to respond to it. Sorry. So we're teaching cats that it's okay to act like a baby. To get attention. I mean. Which is why they're all brats. Are they not big furry babies? They kind of are. Actually, they're about the size of a normal baby. So they're just baby size <laughs> furry babies. Huh. Yeah. They're they fur babies. That's yeah, most accurate term for. But the worst term. It is. But it's. I mean, it fit. If the shoe fits. Then it's a horrible looking shoe and you <laughs> still shouldn't wear it. <laughs> Um, it's the croc of terms. I was trying to think of a way to fit a croc into that joke, but couldn't do it, and you did. <laughs> if the that? croc fits, don't fucking wear it. <laughs> Still throw it away. All right, two other little cat behaviors I'm going to explain because they were also brought up from our listeners. Cat kneading, you know, when they do that yeah, cute yeah. little thing with their paws. In adulthood, a cat supposedly will need when it's feeling happy or content because it associates the motion with the comforts of nursing and its mother. Um, some cats will even suckle on the surface that they're kneading. Um, our cat, Turtle, used to, like, get really into, like, kneading surfaces, and then he'd start to hump them. Mm, yeah, that's a little weird. At that point, that, that gets a little... Yeah, Turtle was kind of embarrassing when I had people over, but he was also very sweet. Aww. Um, and the other one I'm going to explain really quick is the headbutting thing, you know, that cats do. Um, it's called headbunting is like the technical that is word. adorable. Yeah, headbunting. They're bunting. Bunting you. So cats have scent glands all over their body and they use them to leave a scent mark on objects. And in this case, you. And the bunting and rubbing are reserved for bonding, social, comforting, and friendly purposes. So it's their way of like, you are mine, you are mine. I tap you and your mind. That's basically what they're doing. Midas touch. It's my jam. A cat scent. Um, all right. So the next section here is another request from a listener from Joe. Thank you, Joe. Um, we're going to talk about flocking and shoaling in fish and birds and ah. how they do it. Are you sure it's not called schooling? Also schooling. It's okay. shoaling. It's shoaling if they're just like hanging out it's schooling if they have to like make maneuvers if they're and organized and also have to get to history class yeah 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 yeah. if they have expectations it's schooling but if they're just <laughs> hanging out they're just shoaling you know what i mean i'm gonna go outside and shoal for a little while 
Uh, sidebar, do you want to do an escape room next month? <laughs> I'm always down for an escape cool. room. You don't even have to ask. Cool. You kidnap me and take me to an escape room and I won't be mad. Then that's just kidnapping and the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> I know, but the best ones. Okay, continue. All right. I don't know why I started this paragraph this way. Okay, so the headline for this section is flocking slash shoaling and fish and birds. And the first thing I wrote is, they don't use their ears, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Not sure why I felt the need to clarify that they don't do it via sound. Fish don't have ears, right? I don't think so. But I mean, I think it's more of a bird thing because, you know, like with all the bird flapping sounds, you think they'd get really can't confused. can't really hear anything. But yeah, that's not, they don't rely on their ears. All right. So it's likely that all creatures at some point started in the ocean. So they all had a similar issue when it came to coming together, at least for creatures that group. Yeah. Um, okay. So turns out in order to have a successful shoal or school or flock, there's only three rules that the animals need to follow or, like, have programmed to follow. The first rule of shoaling is you do not st- <laughs> You do not talk about shoaling. Second rule is you do, do not, not talk, talk about, about shoaling. Uh, the third rule is have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so these are the free... The, the free. They're also free. You can find them on Google. Um, these are the three rules. Separation, alignment, and cohesion. So, basically, avoid crowding your neighbors. You know, leave a bubble. Second rule is steer towards the average heading of your neighbors. So, so they teach us like in day one of like bird school. I think they're born with it. So it's not like bee movie where they go to college to be bees and then they're I, bees. As far as I know, but I'm not a fish studier. Bird college. I've never been to bird college. I can't tell you what they teach. <laughs> I didn't get in. Okay. Stop rubbing it in. Uh, maybe if your grades had been better. <laughs> it's not like those state schools. Oh, man. <laughs> bird college yeah, i can't i didn't i didn't get to go to fish school either <laughs> all right so those three rules are kind of the driving force behind swarm behavior which is kind of what this is called which is just like bees kind of do it too you know would you say birds do it bees do it even educated fleas do it <laughs> no fleas don't but birds and bees do as far as i know okay um, I want that joke framed and put on my wall. <laughs> I want an award. Where's my Webby? <laughs> so, um, like birds and fish and stuff, they'll basically, they'll be drawn to their neighbors when they're too far away. They'll have like this instinct to get closer. When they're too close, they'll have an instinct to get away and maintain their bubble, you know? And then alignment is just kind of like, you know, don't be the odd man out is kind of like the rule which is how they do these really complex maneuvers and stuff all together but there's no actual leader oh no one's in charge they do it just it's like one consciousness because they all follow these rules together That's amazing so there's not like a bird democracy um so if a shark tries to bite like a grouping of fish and the fish closest to the shark will turn sharply the other way the people sharply. that are, you know, people, the fish that are closest <laughs> will be like, all right, well, the average here is turning that way and they'll turn and that'll, again, drive the other fish to turn because they'll make the like average direction. Effect. Yeah, exactly. Which is how, but it goes so fast because their brains well, yeah. work very quickly. Um, okay. So birds fly in a V formation when they're migrating. 
um, you know, flying long distances, all that. And scientists think that this behavior is not so one can be the leader, but it actually allows the birds to use the updraft coming off of the next bird's wingtips to make the flying easier. So they take turns leading. There's not like an alpha goose. It's an aerodynamic yeah, yeah. Alpha goose. Yeah, there's no alpha goose. They take turns. I need to call DreamWorks about a movie idea I just had. <laughs> alpha goose. Alpha goose. Oh. I want the, half credit. So the bird military, weirdly. <laughs> what? Alpha goose? Oh. Um, so they actually think that when they're flying in that V, none of them are actually following each other at all. They're actually flying according to their own internal navigation. They're just and flying. they're just flying there because it's easiest. Okay. But they're not actually like, oh, I'm going to follow this guy. He knows where he's going. They're not using each other for navigation. Um, so in the fall, swifts will congregate in large groups as they prepare for their migration southward to Central America and Venezuela. During September, large groups of swifts pass through the Portland, Vancouver, Vancouver, Vancouver <laughs> metropolitan area. And more specifically at Chapman Elementary School, where, what? you know, have you, ever, have you heard about the Vox's Swifts at Chapman Elementary no. School? Once a year at Chapman Elementary School, a crazy number of Swifts will, like, fly around the chimney that's, like, at that school because they've made the roosts in that chimney. So in September, when they migrate back up here, they all stop there. That's, like, a regular stop. And it's, like, a huge Portland thing to go and watch them. This group of Swifts that does this at Chapman is the largest... I would just like to point out that when I said I didn't know what you were talking about, Travis gave me a look like, how the fuck did you not know what she was talking about? You know that bar on Broadway called Swift? Yeah. That's what it's named after. I thought it was just named after the fucking bird. Well, it is, but because they're in Portland, Chapman Elementary School is not that far from there. Um, so this, so the roost at Chapman Elementary School here in Portland is the largest known roost for migrating Swifts in the world. Shit. We have the largest Swift roost and you didn't even know it was there. No, I didn't. <laughs> Famously. So we get as many as 35,000 or larger numbers I'm going to say them. that is too many birds. Too many swifts. Um, okay, so this I thought was hilarious. Until the end of the 18th century, which was not long ago enough for this <laughs> to be a thing. Whatever you're going to say is going to be terrible. It was thought that swifts and swallows hibernated instead of migrated because they are creatures that roost at night and it just to move the human beings around it looked like they went to bed one night and then never got back up okay. you know what i mean so they thought that they were just hibernating the whole time since they saw them around the water a lot some people thought that they just like when it's time to hibernate they would just sink down to the bottom of lakes and rivers they and didn't sleep think to check the bottom of lakes and rivers no and also in what universe can a bird just sleep in water for three months and then wake up and come back out of the water well, i mean maybe it's like the bird equivalent of those duck boats where you drive around seattle for a little bit and then you just kind of slowly sink into the water maybe but that's that's honestly what they thought happened up until the end of the 18th century you're right century. that wasn't long enough ago <laughs> right that's not long ago enough long enough ago or long ago enough penis He's gallery not gonna fucking know long ago enough or long enough ago long enough ago so it doesn't even sound like words anymore <laughs> yeah so that's weird okay so there's something called the oddity effect which basically says that fish who look different within a school or a shoal will be Love targeted david bowie that too but they also <laughs> will get targeted much like fans of david bowie okay um, Ooh. <laughs> and so that's why you don't see fish of different species shoal together even if they have the same shoaling behavior patterns they won't go together because it'll actually increase their likelihood of getting eaten which is why 
they all look so similar and there's no variation, you know? Okay. Also, a lot of fish that do shoaling and schooling will have stripes or will have, like, tips on their fins, which makes it easier for them to see each other, like, in peripherals to do the schooling and shoaling I'm with just each thinking other. about the school of fish from Finding Nemo that were voiced by John Ratzenberger, who yes. turned into, like, shapes. Yes. Okay. They could technically do that. Cool. The stripes have... and, like, marks on their fins make it easier and faster to, like, recognize each other. They're, okay. like, visual markers to, like, okay. make it easier. Like motion, uh, like motion capture dots. Yeah. Also, fish that shoal in school will have eyes on the sides of their heads instead of towards the front or, like, two on one side or any other weird combination of fish eyes. They're always, like, on the two sides because you feel... The, you need your perifs. Well, yeah. And when you're in a school of fish, like, you're going to feel the draft of water from the fish in front of you. So you don't need eyes to know how far away the fish in front of you is. You need eyes to know side to side. Next point from our own, not our own, we don't own Our him. Shane, our personal Shane, I keep him in the closet between episodes, Shane Hosey. <laughs> yes, sir. Friend of the show, Shane Hosey. <laughs> um, so he commented we, we him, and like, said. royalties for using that. We, we owe him so much. We owe him a lot. Um, so he just commented and said, elephants worship the moon. And I was like, no fucking way. But he claims it's real. I looked it up. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's not right, though. Well, he's not wrong. <laughs> he could very well be right, actually. There's, there's evidence. Okay, lay it on me. All right. I just want to say that the header for this section is in all caps and says, Animals have fucking religion. Also, I just accidentally wrote, Flucking religion. And then I went on to write my notes. Well, yeah, the, the Lion King, they kind of had a religion. Yeah. Fucking religion, man. So ritual behaviors can be interpreted in the actions of chimps, elephants, dolphins, and other very okay. smart animals. I was going to say, so the smart ones. The smarty pants. Though there is a lot of debate over whether or not we can call this a religion, some consider it a proto-religion. Again, hotly debated. So some people say that, like, we are naturally inclined to have religion, and it's evidenced through... doesn't surprise me that chimps might have, like, a sense of a higher power. Yeah, or, you know, you can, like, they spend so much time with, like, funerals, and, like, they give food to monkeys that they understand are dead, you know? Sorry, I feel like I heard the phrase elephant funeral, like, recently, but I can't remember if it was the name of, like a Norwegian metal band or if it was something I heard I'm like they do the same thing they do funeral rituals for their like you know they carry them around they cover them up so they'll like put pretty a, things a, near like them like a nature show that I heard it on it but, must um, have been. Uh, if you have a Norwegian death metal band <laughs> elephant funeral it's a good one that's a yeah that's a good name for a band uh, so African elephants uh, <laughs> are aware of natural cycles as they practice moon worship they wave branches at the moon when it's in waxing, and they engage in ritual bathing when the moon is full. Elephants are witches. They literally worship the moon. Like, they're fucking lunar elephants. Elephants are full-on Lady Gaga in American Horror Story Roanoke. Witches. witches. Um, also, while grief is common to many animals, funeral rituals are not. They are well documented in African elephants. So Robert K. Siegel writes that one cannot ignore the elaborate burying behavior. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just pictured a seagull wearing like a bow tie and like teaching a class. <laughs> but yes, he did, and this is what he wrote. This this is his lesson right here. You ready for this? 
one cannot ignore the elaborate burying behavior of elephants as a similar sign of ritualistic or even religious behavior in that species. When encountering dead animals, elephants will often bury them with mud, earth, and leaves. Animals known to have been buried by elephants include rhinos, buffaloes, cows, calves, and even Wait, humans. Wait, so they hold funerals for other animals? Fuck, elephants are too good for us. Right? They have been observed burying their dead with large quantities of food, fruit, flowers, and colorful they're foliage. Witches. They're fucking witches. Right? And also, like, no animal Egyptians that's driven. That. Yeah, like, no animal that's driven purely by instinct is going to sacrifice food to an animal that it knows is dead and they're going to put underground. They literally bury it with food. That's a funeral. This is deserving of the Pepe Silvia. <laughs> this is a Pepe Silvia right here. I got boxes of elephants. <laughs> Boxes of funerals that got dark. Boxes of funerals also a good, <laughs> also a good Swedish death metal band. All right, we're almost there. We can do this. Um, okay, so like I said, chimpanzees do the same thing. They do have ritualized behaviors at the death of a group member. They will begin with group or individual silence, which may last for hours, and it is followed by behaviors such as very distinct vocalizations, grooming the corpse, or solemn visitation and gazing at the corpse by group members. They have Displays. open open casket funerals, basically. Yeah, and they go and they like sit shiva or whatever they call it, like around the body. Yeah, isn't that fucking weird? I realized that I was mouthing it yeah. to the microphone. I was like, it's a podcast. I'm going to keep going. I know, right? Until you say it out loud. Oh. I'm just amazed that Shane was on to some... That's mean. All right. I got to finish this sentence. So gazing at the corpse like group members displays. They also have lamentation-like whimpers and who calls of distress. I just really like who, who calls. calls. Like Horton hears a... <laughs> yeah, like Horton hears a... <laughs> kind of like that what about a very different movie okay so i did who called distress now you have to do lamentation like whimper actually a sample from our halloween uh (laughs) ambient sound mix yeah that's it we're gonna have to release yeah we're gonna have to release a cd of those i'm gonna put some chains hour yeah (laughs) travis get the chains some monkey funeral we're making an album i don't want to know that you guys have chains oh not that kind of chains (sighs) sex chains (laughs) i would rather you have the other kind not really i'm glad you have a nope fulfilling sex life <laughs> let's move on hello and welcome to afternoonify the deeply uncomfortable podcast God. i'm emily ryan's left <laughs> i am dead start <laughs> who calling <laughs> uh, so dolphins dolphins do a similar thing they like stay with you know, we saw the thing with the whale, you know, recently. Uh, if dolphins weren't complete and utter assholes all of the rest of the time. Yeah. And whales. Yeah. But, you know, smart animals, yeah, yeah, they yeah, understand yeah. death. That's basically what we're getting at here. Um. Okay, so there's a problem in Africa with elephants stealing Dolphins are crops. the Republicans of animals. <laughs> <laughs> Some oh of them are gosh. smart, but they're assholes. Oh, this needs to be a bracket royale episode, like comparing animals to religions. Like, like what would elephants be? And then you have like all the religious choices, and you guys have to. Like, I... That needs to be a bracket royale episode. Chris, Hotomi, you get on that. 
that vague thing that only slightly resembles the plot of the podcast you don't do anymore. <laughs> yes. That I am so mad that you got to do and I didn't because I loved that podcast. I don't know why I was really into it. I like lists. I like charts. <laughs> I like complicated gaming systems. This is good. Um, okay, so problem. Elephants steal crops in the night in Africa. That sounds like a news headline. We're going to go with it. <laughs> so they do. <laughs> I don't uh, no, know you why. You have to do it in your Lakshmi Singh voice if you're going to be doing headlines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I used the word naughty in the first sentence, and I don't think I can say naughty like Lakshmi Singh, but we can give it, we can give it a go. I think I have to start with the NPR thing. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to NPR. I'm Lakshmi Singh. Elephants apparently avoid doing naughty things like raiding and charging around full moons. <laughs> See, I can't do it. But I have to say that welcome to NPR and Lakshmi Singh first, or else I can't do the accent. Oh, God, I hope we're never on NPR. Oh, God. They would never let us after this. No, why would they? They wouldn't before. No. Um, so they won't do things, naughty things like raiding and charging around full moons, which some say show that they have some sort of reverence for the full moon. Um, some sort of morality linked to the phenomenon, like, you know, God's watching when the full moon's out, don't go raiding crops, you know. I have a different theory that mm -hmm. I think makes a lot more sense. There's more light and people can see them do it. Exactly! <laughs> Why do you think elephants wait till night? Time to begin with. They're not going to do it on the lightest night. Please. That's it. Anyway, believe what you want. That's elephant religion. That's animal behavior. I'm done. Mic drop. Out. Well, that was amazing. I'm not actually going to drop Please don't. This is I'll set it down moderately expensive equipment. <laughs> I'm not going to drop it. Um, well, <laughs> if you have opinions on elephant religion, we are on Twitter at Afternoonified. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Afternoonified. We have an Instagram that's we don't use, and it's at Afternoonified if you're interested. <laughs> Does anyone want to take that over? Um, oh, like a fan Instagram? <laughs> fan Instagram. Fan Instagram. <laughs> Um, we also have a website that would be getafternoonified.com. You can listen to past episodes. You can buy our merch, which is dope as shit. I don't actually own any of our merch yet. I don't either, but I know it looks, it looks damn cool. Our merch looks very cool. It looks so cool I'm on the computer and I'm buying some soon. I'm sure it'll look very good on your respective bodies. Exactly. Buy our merch. And if you buy our merch, send us a picture of you in your merch because Emily will hang it on her Pepe Silvia wall. <laughs> You can rate, you can review, you can come to our live show on Halloween. Uh, that is in Portland, by the way. I don't feel like I need to... Like... Hey, anyone can. Whether you're going to spend the money to do it remains to yeah. be seen. Uh, so that's at 9.30 at Funhouse Lounge. We are opening for What's More Metal. I guess opening. We're going before. Yeah, so it's not like we have five minutes or something. We're going to go on for a full hour before What's More Metal with Noriko Ott and Dan Weber. And I'm going to be Halloween drunk. I'm going to be so Halloween drunk that I don't know if I can get through our notes, but we we're going to do damn another try. shot. <gasps> oh, no. Um, and our guest, I'll announce on a different thing. Um, it'll be someone very funny because what's the fucking point if it's not? Exactly. But I have been clued into who it may be, and it's really fucking exciting. You guys should be very excited. Um, subscribe if you enjoyed this and want to hear more of it. Like it. Listen to it over and over again. Help us get Rate our numbers it, up. That's it. always cool. You can't like it on iTunes. I don't know why I keep telling people to do that. Do whatever it lets you. Interact with us. Be our friends.
Okay. Until uh, next, which is going to be with special guest Shane Hosey. Shane Hosey. Uh, coming back for wrestling part two. Ooh, yes. I, I don't think I was. Was I you were not present, present for wrestling part uh, one? I need to go. Shane was here, and then your stand-in was Chris. So, oh, that's right. Oh, that had a weird episode. Um, <laughs> I need to go listen to that one. Actually, I don't. I think I have not listened to that one. I've listened to. I swear to God, I listened to every I other think episode. Listen to it. I probably have anyway, at some point. Goodbye. Anyway, bye. <laughs>